Hi, I'm Patrick Kagan, your host for Sales Hindsights, a conversation that combines my 30 plus years of experience with the expertise of my guests. And trust me, all of them will amaze you. Now, it's been said that hindsight is 2020 vision. So, my guests and I are charged with answering one thing for you knowing what we know now, what best practices and takeaways have the last 30 years in sales, sales management, executive leadership, and entrepreneurship provided to us that you can take with you. So enjoy the listen as we conversate for your growth. So thank you for tuning into our podcast, Sales Hindsights. Just by tuning in, you are already getting ahead in the process of self-improvement. And during our conversation, you'll discover that we make sales make sense. And you'll also discover we go beyond that. We tackle issues dealing with management, leadership, team building, self-confidence, entrepreneurship, and life itself. So our goal will be to make it all make sense. And we'll do it with a very practical and very easy to understand approach. We'll give you the nuggets you can carry with you each day. And when life hands you a challenge, you'll reach down in your pocket full of confidence. You'll pull out that nugget and you know exactly what to do. Now you're going to find you like what you hear as we go through our conversation. And when you do, I want you to go to our website, pksolutionsgroup.com, for all the resources you'll ever need to become the best version of your own professional self. You'll find a link to my calendar in the podcast show description. Use that to set up your free situation analysis with me. Do it today and do it for you. And finally, thank you for all of the likes, shares, and follows. It makes a difference and it allows us to continue bringing you great content and great guests. Now today, I'm going to share a story with you. And it's a lesson I learned in coaching my daughter in basketball starting In the year 2000, her age was five years old. And there are many lessons to be learned as a leader and as an individual performer. Could be a professional performer, could be an athlete, could be someone in the arts, someone on a team of salespeople. It teaches you a lot about leadership, whether you lead an organization, whether you lead a department, whether you lead a small group or a large group, but there are lessons at every level. And it's great to listen to the story and reflect on where you are in your career and your trajectory and the lessons you can apply to what you're facing today and lessons that you're going to apply to situations you're facing down the road. But there's so much I learned from coaching five-year-old girls. And I was lucky enough to coach them all the way through the age of 13. That's eight years of coaching, not just my daughter, but her teammates. And I felt when I was given the the task of coaching them that something had been lost along the way from my childhood to theirs, the idea that we're all winners in an outcome of a competitive sport didn't sit right with me, but I wasn't a hyper-competitive person where we have to win, they have to lose. That wasn't it. I just felt that there are lessons I learned along the way. I didn't grow up to be a uh, professional athlete. I didn't play a lot of high school sports. I certainly didn't go on to college sports, but I learned a lot that I could apply to my professional self from both winning and losing 
individual sports as well as team sports. And I wasn't handed a winner's ribbon if my team came in third place. We got a third place ribbon. That was reserved for the champion. So I thought it was important to reflect back on those lessons. And I tried at the age of five years old with my own daughter and her friends uh, to, to apply these lessons. And, and right away, one of the lessons for a leader is you have to remember that everybody you're faced with leading doesn't come to the table with the same motivation. My daughter was a, a fairly good athlete. She was ready to um, begin scoring baskets. She liked dribbling. She was ahead of the game with coordination, that type of thing. Some of the other girls that came in, it was simply social life. They enjoyed being with their friends. They didn't want to be left out. They wanted to be included. Uh, some of the parents, it was, it was getting their kids involved in a sport early to keep them out of trouble or have something to do that was productive after school. So lots of motivations. And I think as a, as a leader, you have to remember your team of professionals, they come to you every day with a different set of motivations. So you have to adopt as the leader a philosophy that one size does not fit all. And that was one of the things I, I learned right away in coaching. So I found it interesting that uh, the even the park district adopted this idea that we're all, you know, we're gonna have the winner's ceremony at the end and everybody everybody's gonna get a winner trophy. So I, I did talk to the girls early on about adopting a philosophy of of winning and losing. What does it mean? They all understood win or lose. Uh, they loved getting a trophy that said they won, even if they didn't win one game as a team, didn't make one basket as a player. But it felt hollow to them, it felt artificial. And as interesting as my girls would learn things like dribbling and shooting and defense, if they won a game, they would celebrate. They were happy. If they lost, it would be amazing, even at the early age of five years old, how they would feel that the referee was against them. The other girls were cheating. I would hear all of that. <laughs> and that wasn't the case because if they won, you never heard of anything like that. So I did sit them down one day and I said, uh, you're, 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 you're young, you're five years old. I want you to adopt this philosophy right away that uh, there is only one of two outcomes when you're ever competing on a team or stepping on that court. And it's you either win or you lose. And they said, I, yeah, they get that. And I said, but that depends on your definition of win and lose. And that was puzzling to them. And I told them my definition of winning and losing is not dependent on what the scoreboard says. And I want to walk you through the season where my girls team learned and taught me that it's more important to lose like a winner than it is to win and act like a loser. And this is a great lesson. And you would think as an adult, I already knew that. And maybe I did deep down, but they awakened that spirit inside of me. So that lesson came when they were 13 years old. This is their eighth grade year. They're about to go off to high school. I'm going to be done coaching them. But I want to take you back in time. I started coaching them in the Park District Recreational League. They were five years old. I believe five years old, maybe six. Kindergarten age, basically. And... My job as the coach was to make sure that everybody played equal time. Uh, everybody was treated fairly, whether they were the opposing team or my team. You cheered for everybody, and that's those are good, good qualities to have, and I, I applaud that. But in terms of 
teaching the girls the basic skills. We started them where the, we had X's taped on the floor and the girls had to learn to stand on the X's for defense. And basically they could stand on or near the X's for offense. Um, and it was to help them learn the basics, where to stand and not just wander when it came to basketball. We had to teach them basics like dribbling. And dribbling is not an easy skill to teach anybody, especially uh, a five-year-old girl um, who isn't necessarily, you know, tossing a ball around and, 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 and dribbling a lot. We had to teach them how to shoot the ball. I remember having a parent ask me why his daughter hadn't scored yet in the season when, when all the other girls had scored. Another lesson for, for leaders coming here. I told him, I can teach your daughter to shoot. I just can't make her shoot. That's a very valuable lesson for all leaders in your business life. You can teach your players to shoot, but you can't make them shoot. They have to want to do that themselves. They have to get over many fears, many obstacles. Same thing with a basketball team. I had to teach them things about not traveling. If you know basketball, you can't pick up the ball and and begin walking. Don't travel. You can't do that. If you do that, you can't be a bad sport and slam the ball down. We had to teach them things about passing. Uh, a real tricky thing at that age is to show them things like setting a pick. A pick is where you basically are blocking a defender so that your your teammate can, can move around that person unobstructed. Uh, you can't move. So uh, a lot of kids, when you teach them this, this, uh, this tactic, this skill, they want to block, they want to move, they want to lean into some person that's illegal and getting someone to learn that, that's very difficult. So we spent a lot of the time, five years old, and then the next year, six years old, and it was in the Park District League, and it is designed as fun, and it is an outlet, and that is a great place for it. And it gave me an opportunity. I had never coached a sport before, but it gave me an opportunity to learn quite a bit, and and it was very enjoyable, and the parents were fun, and the kids were coming back year after year and enjoying that. And then they get to the point where they're going into middle school. That's the sixth, seventh, eighth grade level. And I was fortunate enough to continue coaching them, not just in the Park District Rec League, but also at the middle school level. And they, they're, at this point, developing their abilities. They're probably 10 and 11 years old. They've been coaching and, and practicing and dribbling and shooting and so forth for about five years. They're getting better. Again, one lesson for, for a leader, the girls are continuing to grow. Not every girl was developmentally the same at sixth grade, nor at eighth grade. And and there are growth spurts and there are coordination issues and things. But if you're looking at their character, their drive, their their willingness to learn, their willingness to not give up, those are good characters to have. They'll grow into the physical coordination later. But we wanted to we wanted to keep them focused on on the idea that winning depends on your definition. Now you clearly win or lose at the middle school level. You play the opposing school, you win, you lose. At the same time that I'm coaching in the Park District Rec League and at the middle school level, I was fortunate enough that the high school has what's called a feeder program where the middle schools that feed into the high school, they have a team that plays throughout the school year and, and possibly in the summer together. So you're really taking kind of the best of the best from the middle schools that will go to that high school and they get to play on a team together and they needed the coach and they asked me to to coach them. So I was now getting more experiences coaching and learning more lessons, but now I was getting to actually 
get the best players from my opponent's teams and coach them on a team that would feed into the high school. Very exciting for me, but imagine the girls on my team who play against girls on other middle school teams and they're the opponent and they form a healthy dislike of each other and a competitive spirit against each other. And now they're going to be teammates. So my challenge at that stage was when they begin to play, they, they know the skills right now. They can, they can get better at their skills. We can improve their stamina. We can improve things along the way. But to get them to see each other as you're on the same high school, they wore the high school colors and jersey for this team, but they went to middle school during the day and they played on their middle school teams with each other. So the obstacles there were that they were bringing with them every time to this feeder team their past. And as a leader, another lesson, pay attention. When they bring their past to the present, it usually doesn't work well for the outcome you're looking for. So a great example would be that the point guard that I would have on this feeder team came from a different middle school. And her instinct when she's looking to make a play is to look for one of her teammates from her middle school. When she doesn't see that person, she gets to look around and try to find that person, even if they're out of position rather than looking at the person on the feeder team who's in position and ready to accept the ball. It's not natural to them. They hadn't built that comfort with each other. So you can't, as a leader, say to them, hey, you're all one team. Hey, you're part of this feeder team to the high school. If they don't buy it, it's not going to work. So that's a really good lesson. So getting them at the sixth grade level to work together as one team is a challenge. And we were able to do that a couple of different ways. One is, you know, you practice hard together. You practice together all the time. You you do things socially, but they still would socially go out of the gym and and that you'd see them break into pockets of where their middle schools came from. They, they didn't sit together as a team. They sat separately uh, as different middle schools if you would go out for pizza or whatever it might be. So we had a problem also, not a problem, I guess, but a challenge with the parents from the opposing middle schools who would come to watch and cheer only for their middle school girl or teammates, or only they would, they would maybe even cheer against uh, one of the girls on our feeder team that was from a different middle school. We had to get the parents on board too, that this is, this is what's going to go into high school. Parents came along with that concept fairly quickly. And Uh, One of the lessons I learned was to enlist them as a supporting cast to our team's success. Um, So that's something for a leader. You can think about enlisting the supporting cast of your team member for your greater success. Uh, And so we had one of the parents who would begin uh, capturing game film. One of the ways I wanted to encourage the girls to become teammates was to begin watching game film, which is not something really at the middle school level kids do. Um, they they would understand the plays. So they had fun watching the play. We'd look for things that maybe looked funny, a look on some kid's face when we freeze the frame, that type of thing. But we would review the plays. And, and what I would try to do is catch the victories on tape that no one else would be seeing. So for instance, remember they're sixth, seventh, eighth grade by now. They knew how to set a pick and to catch a phenomenal pick. So action off the ball. When everybody's watching the ball and seeing who shoots the score, but the person who set the pick created the play. Well, for them to see that, that got exciting for them. And when you could freeze frame and see that, then the girls would get excited. And we would be talking about, you know, different actions within the play. And when you break it down and let them watch, they could watch it together. 
And we would have certain girls call out things they saw another player do well. We had them call out girls from different middle schools, and they would start to become more in the process of success together. So early on, rec league, five years old, all the way through till middle school, we worked on basics, very skill-focused. And so in your training, when you have new people, think about that. At this mid-level, we worked on uh, team-oriented things, things that had to do with catching your team doing things well or approximately well and celebrating that. And then we got into the summer of their eighth grade season. So we did play throughout the year, including summers. And summer league is very, very relaxed. And we would use that as kind of a decompression stage of our of our team. And we would you know, continue with our plays, but we would loosen the reins. The practices were much more fun, much more relaxed. We continued watching tape and, and breaking tape down. And this is the stage, if you think of their development, where they're going to be moving into high school. We want them to carry that spirit of feeder team into the high school. And by now, they've, they've made this transition. They've had three years of feeder time, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. They're starting to really make that, that turn of the corner of we're going to be this high school team together. Uh, we're going to all have different playtime and different activities and things like that that keep us involved in high school, but this is one team we can bring together. And in the summer of their eighth grade year, we had come off of a uh, undefeated season in the seventh grade year. We actually had a championship tournament uh, throughout the whole region. And most of the competitive travel leagues, um, parents are off the charts, like crazy about their sports. The kids can be that way. High level athletes, for sure. Our girls weren't the tallest uh, but they were in the, probably the best shape. They were great at free throws. They could outlast anybody. They had great stamina. And they played well as a team. They they played very well as a team. And we ended up winning the Northern Illinois Girls uh, Feeder Basketball Association Championship. And we continued with that enthusiasm uh, into, the, into the summer league going into their eighth grade year. There are a lot of coaches uh, in the area, parents in the area, who had noticed our girls. And, and we got a lot of attention. And they wanted to beat us. That was important to them. Their definition of win and lose was we win, you lose. And I had continued with the girls I started with uh, in the in the rec league, then to the middle school level, then to the feeder level with the idea that there are two outcomes, you win and you lose, but the scoreboard is not the indicator of that. And one hot summer night in a gym in Illinois, my girls taught me that lesson. We had Four girls who could make it, because summer is difficult when you think about uh, families going on vacation. People just aren't around and available to to participate in summer pickup leagues. And it's not the same as the regular season, let's put it that way. We had four girls that could play. One girl, uh, the fifth girl, had a broken ankle. She could just sit on the bench. So we're allowed to play with four uh, but that's that's very taxing. This is this is you know quite a long time. I believe it was forty to forty five minutes for the whole game. Uh, that's going to just completely exhaust my team. So I approached the other coach and just said, "Listen, we'll we'll be glad to forfeit if you want to. You know, you've got a team of like I think there was twelve to fifteen girls. If you want to have some of them jersey up and play on our side, they'll get some additional play time. You know, we'll, we'll call it a loss, and we'll you know." 
we'll have some fun. We'll get, you know, my girls will, won't just get exhausted. And, and she says, no, coach, we'd wet, rather beat you the legitimate way is what she said. This was really important to her, I gathered. So I came back to my girls and I explained to them what we're faced with. And I said, this is obviously pretty important to them. And they don't want to accept that we would forfeit and take some of their girls and, and play on our team. So they want they want to win. But I said, now they have to win. And I said, so that's going to be up to you girls. I said, my job will be to try to manage the clock. So when I call timeouts, it might be just so you can catch your breath. You know, when they call timeouts, it's going to be substituting. They're going to have fresh legs the whole game. So I reminded them that, you know, this is important. Um, Don't get in foul trouble. We can't afford to have people fall out. Play together. Find each other. That's really all I could say. And we we worked on uh, two concepts. One was to speed up on defense, and one was to slow down on offense. And to them, that made sense. Move fast to the ball when you're on defense, and crowd your opponent and attack the ball. But when we get the ball, slow it down on offense. Don't try to do fast breaks. The clock is against us, basically. We have four girls. And the interesting thing was that we, we were dominating the entire game. They were The other team was getting very frustrated. They were subbing people in and out. They were trying to stick with one group for a whole quarter. They were trying a million different things. We were just sticking to a basic game plan of speed up on defense, slow down on offense, and find each other. My girls are really good with stamina. I told you that. They're great at give and go. Simply give and go to the basket. Give the ball, go to the basket. Very good mechanics, very good basics moving along. Now, we get into the third quarter, and my girls are getting exhausted. This is fast-paced. Eighth grade girls are extremely, extremely in good shape. And this was exhausting for them. And the game is getting closer. Our lead is is dwindling. And I'm managing the clock the best I can to call timeouts to let them catch their breath. The girl with the broken ankle is begging me, please let me go in. I could at least catch the ball and pass to somebody. I won't try to dribble. I won't try to run. Her team spirit's there. And I loved it. I applauded it. Great leadership. And the uh, the other girls appreciated my calling timeouts when I could, and I, I tried to use them sparingly as we get closer towards the end of the game. We're in the fourth quarter. The game is going back and forth. They're taking the lead. We're taking the lead. Now, the crowd, it's a summer league. It's not that big, but was going crazy. People who were in the in the recplex watching or working out were suddenly watching the game. And people are starting to realize, you know, this is an underdog team. We have four players. We're going back and forth. My girls are gassing out. And we we finally end up losing the game on the scoreboard. We lost. And my girls looked defeated. They could barely move. Their faces were purple. And the other team, uh, I give the I give the players credit. Uh, they were eloquent. They they said the right things. They helped my girls up off the floor and shook their hands. <clears throat> the coach didn't have as much class. She was very happy that they they scored more points than us. And it's it sat with us for a little bit. We walked to our end of the of the gymnasium, and I told the girls, I said, I, I want to thank you because you you just made my point that I made to you a long time ago, back when you were five years old, that winning is not about the scoreboard. But I said, you know, there's a difference here. I said, you tonight lost like winners. I haven't heard one of you complain about the referee. I haven't heard one of you complain about another girl cheating. And you tried to win the entire time. And then there's the 
the choice to win like a loser. And I said, the other girls on the other team didn't do that, but their coach did. This was so important that, you know, at any point, this this had to be a victory that they had to have, even if they outnumbered you. And even if they were given the opportunity to, opportunity to walk away with a win and let, let everybody play and get more time. So you taught me and you taught everybody here what it's like to lose like a winner. So I said, I want you to go home and when we regroup tomorrow, we'll look at some game tape and we'll talk through this a little bit. And we all went our separate ways and it was it was difficult, but I, I got to my email and I sent a note to the entire email list I had, the, uh, all the families who were on vacation. And I recounted what happened and everybody from their vacation spot replied what it was, how proud they were to be part of a team that knows how to lose like a winner and wished that they were there and wished that their daughter could have been one of the four on the floor or the girl with a broken leg. So when we got together for the tape and we did the tape review and I said, how do you feel? I asked every one of them, you know, they felt bad. They felt tired. Did you win or you lose? They said, well, we lost, you know, but we tried. And I'm like, okay. And we just talked about losing like a winner they said, yeah, that's that's true, but um, you know, we didn't we didn't win on the scoreboard. And I said, okay, so that's a great lesson. So you don't always win on the scoreboard, but you did you learned something and you have some character that you can bring with you and you know that you can keep it close if there's even only four of you and you're and you're outnumbered. That's the sign of a champion when you can find those find those championship moments. And our review of tapes, it changed. Um, and it no longer was me breaking down the plays as the coach and saying, you're supposed to be here or were you in position or you're supposed to do that. And it became a team led breakdown of the tapes. And we would look at several different games and several different moments. And it would be great. Not only now were the girls catching the other teammates doing things either right or approximately right and cheering things that happened away from the ball. But I would lead the discussion. I would ask them like, for instance, to the point guard, what were you expecting right here? And we would freeze the tape. And and right here is that critical moment when you've got your wings that are making basket cuts and your, your posts are, are coming up to the free throw line and all the activities happening right when the point guard uh, calls the play. And I'd say, what were you expecting right here? And that girl would describe what she expected to have happen, how it was supposed to unfold. And everybody would take note and go, oh, okay, I didn't, yeah, I didn't see that. You know, I'm not up at the point. I couldn't see that. But then you ask every girl on the floor, what did you expect to see? And they share that with you. And then I'd ask the the girls that would be sitting on the bench, what did you expect to see when you saw that? And we got to a point where we started talking to them about their expectations. What did you expect from your teammate? And when that didn't happen, what did you do? And a lot of times they would say, well, I had to make a decision and I kind of improvised. And that's a great lesson for leadership is that they're going, things aren't going to go as you plan. And you're going to have to improvise. And you want the players to be able to do that. You want your, your professionals on your team to be able to improvise, think on their feet, make things happen based on the outcome you expect, not based on the activity in front of them on the floor. You can lose like a winner. You can win like a loser. And if you pay attention, life is showing you that along the way. And not everybody is a winner. Not everybody gets the trophy. It's okay. The lessons you learn from losing on the scoreboard are okay. And they can be applied very far in your life. And my daughter didn't go on to play her senior year of high school at basketball. She didn't go on to college sports. 
but she learned lessons about being on a team, being committed to a bigger purpose, not being the tallest on a team, so developing other skills, learning how to be valuable away from the ball instead of always on the ball. You're not always the point guard. You're not always the high scorer. You don't always make a team. There are girls who didn't make our teams that were pretty good athletes. And they went on to be better at volleyball and get scholarships to college for volleyball. Things they wouldn't have done if they stayed in basketball for the social aspect of it. Their friends were on the team. But when they went to a a sport where they were more better suited, many doors opened for them. And life has a way of giving you what you need, not necessarily what you want. So you want to win every game on every scoreboard, but you don't. So here's the summary that I learned as their coach, as their leader, that I apply in business. Here's what you can learn as a leader and as a teammate. The first was going back to their their kindergarten, their five-year-old stage, and having a vision of the future that I learned lessons when I was a kid being on teams where we didn't all get winner's trophies. We weren't all a winner. It was win and lose. They were dads and moms and cousins and brothers and sisters and so forth that let you know if your score was the losing score and you fought harder to come back so that never happened again. I didn't want it to be that extreme, but I wanted them to know that There is winning and losing. There is a scoreboard that shows a victory and a loss. But it does come down to what you define as winning and losing. And for me, it was what we learned that summer in Losing Like a Winner. All the teaching had nothing to do with the basics and the tactics and the strategies and the dribbling and the shooting. had to do with character. Character counted when it counted most. And it taught us all that lesson. The character was the most important sign of a champion. Character is what made you a winner, regardless of the scoreboard. So that vision, way out in the early days that we carried through. Then the other thing I learned was how important it was to share that vision with the team. The, the words hadn't even formed in my mind when they were five years old. They were probably starting to form going into their eighth grade year. But sticking to that vision that there's, it's more than just the scoreboard. I would say it's more than just the scoreboard that makes you a winner. Hadn't had the experience of losing like a champion, losing like a winner yet. And when I did, it all came together in my head. The other thing that came out that was important was when we were watching game film. And it went from me asking the questions and breaking down the film to them doing it. So I'll challenge you with your own professional teams. Let them keep track. They act differently as a professional. They act differently as a team leader. They do things differently when they keep track. That was invaluable. I already knew what I wanted from them. I already knew what the play was supposed to look like. That didn't matter. I wasn't on the floor doing the play. They were. And asking a question like, what did you expect to see right here? That was invaluable. How many times do you ask your team, what did they expect at this particular junction in their professional life? And what did they do when that didn't happen? That's invaluable. And, you know, my team learned confidence and they learned to play together by me asking that question. I may know the answer, but the answer is if I don't. And when they begin teaching me what they think I don't know, they're working together and they're learning it better. So let them keep track because they act differently when they keep track and they act towards the outcome and they come up with more creative solutions than you could ever try to say in your own words. They'll, they'll come up with it. And then what happens out of that 
which you accidentally or on purpose created, now they own the vision. They suddenly own the vision of character and creativity and commitment. And that basically plays on a basketball court will break down. What do you do when the chaos pursues? That happens in business. Things break down. What do your people do? How do they rally? Do you need to be picking up the pieces all the time? And if so, how are you going to clone yourself and be everywhere? You can't. You have to create an environment that engages, enriches, and empowers your employees so that vision is theirs. They own it through involvement. You have to choose to be a champion, which means learning the hard lesson to lose like a winner, to focus on what you can do, what you can control, and what matters most. And then the last thing that I think I learned, I hope you would learn, is that champion is rooted in character. And character is what will define a loser as a winner. I hope you enjoyed the story. I hope you can apply these lessons to all the lessons you're going to encounter in your professional life. And when you find that you need the extra help, go to our podcast show description, find the link to my calendar, set up your own time with me, and let's take a look at what problems and challenges you're faced with and see if we can make tomorrow better today. So that's it for this time. I hope you enjoyed listening to the conversation as much as I enjoyed participating in it. Every person, every business needs some help. Take the first step in your own world. Go to the show description, use the link to my calendar, and set up your own one-on-one time with me, or go to pksolutionsgroup.com for all your bonus resources. We all have choices, and I'm here waiting when you finally choose a different way, a better way. Until then, let me leave you with some wisdom from one of my favorite musical groups, Rascal Flats. Simply put, my wish for you is that your life becomes all that you want it to be.